Welcome into the JP and Hack Show, part of the Field of 12 Media Network. This is season one, episode five. We are always presented by our partners at Bet River Sportsbook. I am Joshua Perry. This is my guy, Christian Hackenberg. Just a couple washed up football guys talking about the Big Ten. Nothing to see here. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm good, brother. I am good. <laughs> you ready to dive in? I mean, before we get into this, we, we were talking offline before we got started. And uh, <laughs> this Big Ten is going to get really interesting. It's going to be something we dive into, show, but like we're super excited just to kind of take a look maybe forward a little bit and talk about how this thing might actually shape up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a bloodbath here for probably the next three to five weeks. And we've seen some surprises. We've seen some disappointments. Uh, we've got a few teams that we're not quite sure of yet. And I think these next five weeks is going to give us a lot of clarity in terms of who's for real, who's not, who's a pretender, and what it looks like moving forward for the big picture. So I'm excited for Big Ten football for the next five weeks. I kind of know what it feels like to be an SEC fan probably every year now. Right. I would, I would make that assumption, you know. That's that's basically so, what it is right now. I think this yeah, might be yeah. the uh, – I mean, the Big Ten East for sure I think is the most competitive division in college football right now. Uh, but the Big Ten as a whole you could say is uh, it's going to be competitive. Like I, I think even yeah. some of the teams at the bottom – can make a little bit of noise here, but let's recap uh, what we saw in week three, starting with the Friday night game. And I'll tell you right now, um, that game was on uh, FS1. And we obviously with the Big Ten Network, that means it wasn't on our network, but we did a show afterward. And we were sitting there hoping and praying that that game was not going to go into overtime because it was already a late kick. And uh, there was a little action toward the end, but for a lot of that game, it was not a ton of action, uh, yeah. but Maryland visiting Illinois, taking them down. It was 20 to 17. Um, I'll say my comment off of that is Talia Tungavailoa is clutch. Like he didn't play necessarily well the whole game, but they came up with a couple of big drives late. He's a difference maker, man. Yeah, I think he's been he's been probably the biggest the biggest shining light in that program for the past two years. And I think it's good. Like that's why I always go to quarterbacks when I talk about teams and programs and things like that, because they have so much control over the messaging and recruiting. They have so much control over so many things that you don't even realize. And I think that's good for Maryland right now to have him there and playing how he's playing. It's, it's going to be dangerous moving forward for the next three, four years for that team. It's going to be someone they could build around. Totally agree with that. Uh, taking a look at this next one, we've got Michigan State that visited Miami. And this was a blowout. This is one of the games that we're going to recap in depth. Score of that one, 38-17. to 17. We had Nebraska playing Oklahoma. Historic rivalry game there. Nebraska kept it close. They played them tough, but they eventually lost score of that one, 23-16. We had Iowa hosting Kent State. They won that 30-7. to Not a lot to see there. Indiana hosting Cincinnati, which is a game we're going to get into. Score there, 24 uh, for Indiana, 38 for Cincinnati. Cincinnati running away with that one. Um, Ohio State hosted Tulsa. And uh, we'll talk about OSU in the second segment, I guess, after we get done with the recaps of this, just to kind of parse out what's going on. But they ended up winning uh, 41 to 20. Wasn't a good enough win for a lot of people in Columbus. Uh, <laughs> we had the game of the week nationally. Penn State hosting Auburn. Penn State with the dub, 28 to 20. 
I know you've got a lot of thoughts on that. We will hold those yeah. for the in-depth recap, but uh, it's got to feel good to see your boys go out there on a national stage and get a big win. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like one thing I talked about, great seeing the white out. It's, it was good for college football. Just it felt like it was back. Um, and I'm obviously very biased to that environment. But um, yeah, man, this that's going to be a fun game to dive into because I, I also want to I want to hear what you have to say as well. It's it's um, I, I have a lot of positives, I think, to build on. And I think my prediction of that whole like Joe Moorhead, Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford and Mike Yersich thing is kind of it. It showed a little bit there. So I'm excited yeah. about it. No, I'm definitely excited to. Uh, continuing on, Notre Dame beating Purdue uh, 27 to 13. Michigan Dang. thrashing Northern Illinois 63 to 10. That's a team right now with yeah. a lot of steam, boy. So yeah. <laughs> things are going yeah. well in Ann Arbor right now. Yeah. On this whole state of Michigan, dude. There's something yeah. up there in the water right now. I swear it is. Um, yeah. We got Minnesota beating the piss out of Colorado 30 to nothing. Uh, Colorado had like 85 yards of offense in that game, in case anybody was wondering. So that was a yeah. thorough beat down there. Yeah. Um, Rutgers beating the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens 45 to 13 in Northwestern took an L to Duke. Score of that one, 32-23. Want to recap the AP Top 25 right now before we get into the game reviews, because I think this is really interesting and it shows the strength of the Big Ten that we talked about off the top of this show, but you got Iowa at number five, Penn state jumps all the way up to number six, deservedly. So Ohio state falls to number 10. So you've got three teams right there in the top 10, two out of the big 10 East and even feeling like Ohio state's going in the wrong direction. There's still a top 10 team. So that's impressive right there. But then you start looking down and you get Wisconsin, who's at 18. You get Michigan moving up to 19. And you get Michigan State entering the poll at 20. And you have Maryland that garnered 29 votes. Like, this is exactly what we want Big Ten football to look like. Yeah. I mean, you're talking seven to possibly eight ranked teams right there. I mean, it's – and like I said, it, it, that's all going to sort itself out here in the next six weeks, which is yeah. going to be fun. But, um, I mean, the way it sits and the way the scheduling worked out, like you just have a bunch of teams that are playing confidently or, weirdly enough, are in good positions but not playing that confidently because everybody's crushing them like Ohio State. Right. Um, so, it, they, I mean, they still have control of their own, their own destiny here. So, like I said, these next, like, four to five weeks are going to be awesome. I'm, I'm just excited. I am too. Um, yeah. Let's jump into this recap because we had – Three, I think, marquee, really good games. Um, yeah. And two of them went our way. One of them didn't. But we'll mm-hmm. start with this uh, Michigan State visiting Miami. And they beat the piss out of this Miami team. Score was 38-17. to 17. Just to get you a couple quick stats, Peyton Thorne, Michigan State's quarterback, was 18 for 31, threw for 261, had four touchdowns in that game, no turnovers. Kenneth Walker, mm-hmm. the third, 27 carries, 172 yards. This dude has been tearing it up on the ground. And like I said, dominant top to bottom from the whole game. Offense went for over 450 yards against a very athletic Miami team. And the defense for Michigan State had four takeaways in that game. It's the Mel Tucker toughness. It's the grit. It's the physicality. It's the explosion that we've heard him talk about. And now we see it. And I think he's put people nationally on notice that he ain't there to play around. And he's doing a great job. Yeah, I mean, you you said it. 
we've talked about this at length as well on previous pods, but like they're just, they look like a team that has an identity that knows what they want to do and don't, they don't let anybody else dictate that. They don't change it. They stick to their script. They know what they're good at. And uh, they're just, they've, they've fortunately up to this point, haven't had anybody that has forced them to have to change really all that much. And even a Miami team, you know, there's going to be adjustments and things like that. But, you know, to your point, you just rattled off a bunch of stats. I mean, 450 yards, they racked it up on them. So I'm excited for this Michigan State team, especially because going back to the one thing I was talking about, you know, the next four to five weeks for them, relatively speaking, is a, a light lift. I mean, they have Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Rutgers, and Indiana, right? I know that's <laughs> weird saying that that's a light lift right now. But right. comparatively speaking to a few of these other teams that we're going to get into, like that, to me, that's a relatively light lift in the Big Ten right now as it speaks. So they have a really good chance to have a lot of confidence heading into the last four or five games of their season, which just starts with Michigan, Purdue. I think there's like a Wisconsin in there and then Penn State and Ohio State. So um, I think they're in a good position. Yeah, I do too. And the thing that you said that I agree with the most – is uh, they they Michigan State dictates the tempo of the game. They dictate the physicality of the game. Um, they have up to this point dictated the outcome of the games yeah. as well. Um, and so it's really cool to see that. And I think you're right. They've got a, a pretty good build here. And especially for them starting off on a Friday night in a conference game early on this year to really get their legs up under them, but then going on to uh, play a lower level team in week two and then stepping up the competition as they've got more confident in week three to then kind of hit a coast, I think sets up for them well to be prepared to compete there at the end of the year, which is where it gets tough. Um, but these cats have been really impressive to me, man. I'm excited to see where this team goes. Uh, a team that's probably going the wrong direction from where we thought they would be at the beginning of this year is Indiana. And they took their uh, second loss of the season to the Cincinnati Bearcats score of that game, 38 to 24. I would contend that this game was a lot co closer than the score tells. Indiana essentially went out and lost that game. They had a 14 to zero lead in the second quarter, and then they got a targeting call uh, on their standout linebacker, Micah McFadden. He was ejected from the game and that changed the complexion of what happened from there on. They came on a third down, Cincinnati obviously, got the first, and then they scored a touchdown on that drive. Uh, and then they turned around to score another uh, a field goal before half. And then Cincinnati um, later in the game basically had another touchdown off an interception, one off a fumble. So if you count the score, there's a, a touchdown off of a drive extended due to penalty, one off of an interception, one off of a fumble. In back-to-back -back drives, Indiana turned the ball over deep in scoring territory. They were on the 10-yard line. They were on the 8-yard line. They fumbled in the fourth quarter as well in scoring territory. It's one of those games where they did everything possible to essentially lose the game. They also um, they kicked the ball off, and Cincinnati scored a touchdown on a kick return after they went up in the game. Um, it, it was one of those, and I think we've both been a part of them, where you literally can't get out of your own damn way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to watch the second half of that game, a good, a good amount of it. And that's kind of when it did get interesting. But when you look at a guy like Michael Penix turning the ball over again, three times, and then what did you say? The offense was like four, they had a fumble there too. You yeah. give up a special teams touchdown. 
to to your point, I mean, they just did everything they could <laughs> to, to not win that game while also trying to compete. Um, so I don't know, man. This Indiana team's just been really disappointing to me, and I think this was a great opportunity for them just watching Cincinnati play up into this point. They have started slow or up in, and, and they still started slow, I think, this week too. So it just shows on a bigger, grander scale some vulnerability for Cincinnati. But I thought it was a great opportunity for Indiana to take advantage of, and they just they just didn't do it. And I think, like you said, I mean, even if you cut down on a couple of those things where they shot themselves in the foot, I think they probably have a chance to win this football game. Yeah. Um, I think it just stacked up too high for them. I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard mountain to climb over. When you're, when you're putting the, when you're putting the stuff you dig up right back in front of you, you know what I mean? It's tough. So. Yeah, no, it's uh that's, ex- that's exactly the analogy that I think fits this one. Like it, it, as soon as they started getting out of their own way, they literally just said, no, nah, I'm gonna get right back in my own way. Um, and it's tough because of how we felt about this team coming in and yeah. what we thought that they could be. And this was supposed to be a bigger game than it ended up being because Indiana didn't do their part in week one. Um, it's, yeah. it's tough. And again, we're going to get into what the East looks like in terms of that meat grinder, but man, this team, you felt like the, the early returns were going to kind of dictate the narrative of how we would view and talk about that team late in the year. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what it feels like right now. It's just, it's more of the negative connotation than what we thought it was going to be. So, yeah. All um, right. Best part about it though is is everybody controls their own destiny. You know what yeah. I mean? They, like they can they can still come out here and go on a run. Um, they could. and that's what I love about college football. And I think when you watch it just top to bottom, like people are beating everybody. It's it's not like there's like this thing where you can look at it and be like, oh, they had this win or they struggled with this team and now they're gonna like dudes are giving everybody freaking dog fights and you know, we'll just see as long as I think as long as they just stick to the script and keep fighting, you know, they'll they'll be all right. I totally agree with that. All right. So this one is the one, obviously, I want to hear your thoughts on the most. Mm-hmm. Penn State 28, Auburn 20. It was a Big Ten versus SEC. The guys from down south coming up to the north, even though it's still in September and it's not that cold. They're there for a whiteout, which is, again, I've said it before for yeah. what I've seen in college football, the craziest environment you could get into. Um, I, I just felt like Penn State showed a ton in this game. And it's not like I had doubts about what they'd be able to show, but they right. literally showed it all. Um, yeah. Clifford looked as good as we've seen, 28 for 32, 280 yards, two touchdowns and a pick that I really don't believe was his fault. He was kind of getting hit as he threw it. It was one of those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, defense was freaking phenomenal. Came up huge in a ton of situations. Uh, big fumble recovery made Bo Nixon, those wide receivers, look very average as Auburn only had 185 throwing the ball. Thinking names like Brandon Smith and Jesse Luketa and jo- uh, Jaquan Brisker and Joey Porter and uh, PJ Mustafer and all those guys on that yeah. defense. Like they are a bunch of ballers. I know you've probably got some, some deeper thoughts than that, but I was very, mm-hmm. very impressed. Yeah. I think, um, I think this game could have gotten even more out of hand in Penn State's favor. It's something that you and I talked about too. I mean, Brandon Smith had that pick six. That was just, I mean, hey, hey, I got to give the guy a shout out. He grew up in the county right next to me. He's a Louisa County kid. I grew up in Fabana County. Man amongst boys. I think he's playing really well. Yeah. I'm real excited for his future. But um, anyway, that was a golden opportunity to extend it. Um, 
you know, <laughs> one thing the refs really didn't help him out all that much. That could be the whole I don't even understand how that was an intentional grounding in the first place, but you know, it, you go dude, there and they did it, a bad job. It it was bad. And you know, the weird thing is is historically, you know, in those whiteout games, there's been some sketchy things that happen. And I don't know what it is. It's just, you know, I'm not gonna dive deep into that, but the, the whiteout probably gets in their head too. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> I mean, it's like – so it's just weird how some of that stuff happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think starting off, Clifford, fantastic. I I was hard on him earlier in the year. Um, we both were. Yeah, I mean, I think he he, ha- he has had it, but he's a guy who's third year now playing, you know, started pretty much all three years. But, you know, had some up and downs, got punched in the mouth. And the one thing that I've seen with Penn State, and I think Coach Franklin hit on it, was that last year, two years ago about being good and being elite. He's kind of been towing that line. Um, And I think this year, this team, the way it sets up defensively, offensively, it's kind of been like, all right, can Cliff drive that ship? Can they have that guy pulling the trigger that can drive that ship offensively and be who they need to be in the big moments. And he proved it now um, on a huge stage. So super, super happy for him, super proud of him. Um, And like, like I said, I think there's a lot more left in that tank too. Um, between Yersic and Cliff and the whole the whole offensive crew. I think there's a lot left. Um, they left some plays on the table. They kind of got cute in some ways. I think they're still trying to figure out identity, what they can what they can do consistently and then build off of it, but it works. You know what I mean? So <laughs> all right. So I literally used the phrase when I was watching that game in the green room, Penn State's getting a little too cute out here. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> That's exactly what some of it looked like. And I understand why, because you, you got to take the chances in the big game. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when you're in control and everything's working, you, you tend to want to not get um, too cute. But he is yeah. a guy that we're both hard on in terms of Clifford. And he, he mm-hmm. rose up to the occasion for sure. I um, want to ask you, if you had to play against those guys that Penn State has on defense, I mean, what do you think your chances would be? Because that defense looks like it's for real right now. Yeah, I like I I mean personally I would I would love that opportunity. I mean, you're you're sitting here talking though as part of a defense that I went and played against that was probably similar, if not more talented that you were. Yeah, these guys are pretty damn talented too though. I know they're good, but you know, um, but yeah, I mean I'd be excited. I I'm you know, hey man, it, it takes it takes a it takes a village when it comes to winning those big games and yeah. like defensively Penn state's in a really good position, like I was saying. And now, like, I just think the offense needs to keep staying on that trajectory where they're at, where they're going to keep getting better, keep getting better, keep getting better and building into the meat of that schedule. Um, Cause we look at it, like I said, I mean, they got Iowa in two weeks, they got Villanova, Indiana, and then Iowa, I think three weeks. Um, so, you know, they got a chance to knock out two of the big boys in the, in the West in the regular season. So I just think they're building the right way. Excited for them. Moral of the story. It was a great game. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited too. And I I think this is, um, this is exactly what James Franklin has been trying to build into for Mm -hmm. a a little while now where, uh, you know, he's, he wants to be the, the lead dog in the big 10. It's what every coach wants to be, but he's been pretty vocal about, um, well, his team taking the next step. Let me ask you this then. Like, yeah. where do you think – what do you think that this game meant for them being as you being part of a, a, a program that has taken that next step and was yep. very consistent in the Big Ten at Ohio State? Like, 
watching Penn State for the past three years, it's like I said, it's been frustrating for me, especially like really even since that 2016 team where they just like it's just been like yeah. they're right there, right there, right there. But there's something that hasn't clicked for them to go from like really, really good to elite. Like, do you think that this was a moment? Do you like what do you see in this team? comparatively comparatively speaking from your experiences yeah I, I think this is a moment and for it's for two reasons is number one this team had two big games already this year and they've been able to get tough gritty wins that show what their team is made of none of it was easy in either one of the games like you said in this one they had a bunch of stuff go against them you know officiating and they had some moments where they probably could have come up with plays that they didn't get all those different things and yet they were still able to come up with the big plays when they needed to. And I think that is confirmation to a team um, that they could do it. And this is the second time this year that they've done it because they had to do it in week one against Wisconsin. So I think that's something you can really build on. But here's the other thing that I think really works in their favor right now is you knocked out Wisconsin, who is one of the leaders in the West. And you're looking around right now at Ohio State, who has been your big foe in the East. And you feel like you have a chance if there's, if there's a year to really challenge them and to take a hold of the East, this is the year because of all of the different issues that you're watching in Columbus. Um, and so I think that's where this team can take the next step is understanding that this is a good moment for them and that they've proven it to themselves that they can be in that position. Personally, I look at this team and I might be the first one saying this, but I think this could be a college football playoff team because they have a quarterback who can threaten you in the throw game and the run game. And the run game has not been very good, but he can threaten you in both. So it, it opens up some options. And they've got a wide receiver who can take the top off of a defense who I think is one of the best playmakers in America. And they've got a defense that I think is as good as anything that we've seen this year. And it's funny because the, when I watched them uh, against Wisconsin, one of the things that we talked about being a difference maker in that game is a direct run game from Wisconsin because those D line guys and, and even the guys in the secondary are built to compete more with a team like Ohio state than a team like Wisconsin. They're smaller, yeah. lighter guys, very good athletes, but when they needed to come up with the big stops in the run game, they came up with them. Similarly, the dude Bigsby from um, Auburn went off for 130 yards on the ground or whatever the case was, but yeah. those last couple drives at the end of the game where Auburn was trying to run it down their throat, just run it into the teeth of the defense. Those guys said you're not going to do it. Yeah. I think that's championship football right there. I agree with you. I think that's an interesting take too, because I do feel like whoever wins the big 10, just because of how good it is yep. this year, they need to be in the college football playoff. For sure. Um, and that's where it gets really interesting because it's like, if a team like Penn state goes out there and runs it right. And they beat, cause they're going to have to beat into Iowa. So they beat mm -hmm. Iowa and Wisconsin in the West. They beat uh, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Michigan in the East. Like just yeah. that – that I mean, that that strength of schedule, like our, like the, no matter what happens in the Big Ten championship game, I think you yeah. got to give them a chance. You know what I mean? It's like no, one of those things where it's 100%. crazy. 100%. So, you know, that's, that's a good thing about this team is they have everything in front of them. And I think, you know, I hope – I guess the other thing is, is like – how do they then carry this for like longevity, right? Like it's not like just, oh, Ohio State had a down year on defense. Like this is our chance to beat them this year. And then, you know, what happens? Like how do they carry this on for next year and the year after that? Where now it's like Ohio State's not a blocked field goal away. 
and, you know, we block a field goal, fluke, and a whiteout and go win the game and then go play in the Big Ten Championship. Like, how do we beat these guys consistently now? Like, what do you think? And this is what it's going to be. You're spending money on facilities over there in State College. So that's a big deal. Uh, But you can take the victories, the results on the field, and you can use that as currency in recruiting. And you can do the exact opposite for Ohio State as well. And some people don't like negative recruiting. I don't care. Like, you got to win the recruiting battles however you can win them. So you could mm-hmm. say to a, 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 a defender that would keep that standard of defense that Penn State currently has, are you trying to go to a defense where they can't get it figured out and they're giving up a bunch of passing yards to a team like Tulsa? Or do you want to come here where Bo Nix – in this Auburn offense that was statistically the number one offense in the country at the time we played the game, they come in, they only throw for 185 yards. What defense do you want to play for? You know, if, right. if you are on offense, you can say, do you want to be the next guy up? You know, when Jahan Dotson's gone, do you want to be a part of this offense where you can be the spotlight guy? Ohio State's got seven guys in their wide receiver room. Come here, be our guy. And I think mm-hmm. that's the difference is you have to match the results on the field with how you're recruiting the kids too. And I think that becomes right. an opportunity as well. Right. That's an interesting take, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, no good. doubt. Let me tell you about our sponsors over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up yet, Bet Rivers is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart from everyone else is that they require just one playthrough to turn that bonus into cash money. With their new rush pay instant approval, withdrawals are not only fast, They are safe, secure, and reliable. Go to betrivers.com today or download the BetRivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's let's jump into some big thoughts here. Uh, We'll start this one off with Nebraska. I think they deserve some credit for their performance against Oklahoma. I know you didn't get to see a ton of that game. They kept it close. I think um, had they made some plays in the kicking game, they probably would have won that. Uh, we talked about this Nebraska team as a team that was going to be in the basement of the West. I think right now they're really trying to build into something, whether they're rallying around Scott Frost or something's just clicking in that locker room. You have a feeling that they're trying to take these steps uh, these steps forward. So I'm curious to see what this team looks like in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in moral victories, but I, you know, when you sit here and look at it for Oklahoma, you know, this doesn't look great. Um, and for Nebraska, you know, if you're going to take, you're going to take something out of it, like, Hey, you know, we hung around with a team that's, that's supposed to have the front runner for the Heisman. That's no longer happening, but like, you know, you go down the list, like it's Oklahoma, right? You kept it. So I think that does set them up and, you know, Hey, they got a great, the one thing you noted and, and, and I, I completely agree with it is they got a great opportunity against the Michigan state team this week, you know? So, um, it'll be interesting to see, but. Yeah, I think it was good to see them not get just embarrassed on national yep. television. I you know, agree. Starting, starting where they started, it was good for that. You know, I, I think, mean, you know, it's, it's... this was supposed <laughs> to be, you know, like a 30 point game or whatever the case was. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they, they far exceeded expectations. And I'll say two things for me happened in that game is number one, uh, my expectations for uh, Nebraska have been changing. I think they are a better team than they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, but number two, just in the national picture, Oklahoma is a hype machine in a lot of ways. I don't think they've been overly impressive. And I also think Spencer Rattler is a very good player. I never, and this is not me just reacting off of this game, but I never thought he was as good as everybody made him out to be. Um, and I think that was 
that was shown through the way that Nebraska was able to cause them some issues on Saturday. Like if you're if you're the Heisman front runner, like you you can't you can't go out there and look that way against the Nebraska defense that's given up some points in the past. Yeah. I mean, we were talking, we talked about this on Saturday night. Like, I think even if Oklahoma wins the Big 12 and a team like Penn State runs the table in the in the Big 10, and then like let's say a team like Oregon or UCLA goes out. Well, I mean not UCLA anymore, but a team like Oregon goes out and wins the big uh the uh the Pac 12, like straight up decisively. I don't even think an undefeated Oklahoma team makes it to the college football playoff this year. They don't belong in there. That that conference yeah. is so down, it's not even funny. I I mean the Pac 12, I think, is is pretty down too, but I think there's also a few teams in there that can compete and you like the players mm-hmm. and you like the rosters and everything. I look at that conference and you like Oklahoma, obviously, but outside of that, I mean, you like Iowa state, but like they've like, they, but they've you disappointed know, too, you know? Yeah. The, I mean, the shine fell off when they lost to their rival early on yeah. in the year. That conference yeah. is so down, man. I agree with you 100% it's on that. crazy. Um, so. Next question for you. What do we do with Ohio state right now? If you're, if you are, a guy in that building and you've got problems to fix, what are you doing? It's that's the blessing and the curse of being Ohio state in the big 10, the past 10 years, right? Like the blessing and the curse of it is, is to what you were touching on earlier from a recruiting standpoint, everyone wants to come there. You have depth. You never, you never rebuild. You always reload. Um, there's a certain expectation and sometimes those expectations just become so big that no matter what, you're never going to, you're never going to touch them. Um, That's where I get a little hesitant because, okay, you lose to Oregon who right now has a chance to still run it and win their conference out West. Right. Do you take that loss for what it was? You know, your quarterback played great. Yada, yada. Like to me, that loss is like kind of like, the Clemson Georgia loss had Clemson actually started playing well after that. Like, it's like, okay, like you lost to a really good football team that's right you know, out of your conference. Now go control your own destiny. And that's where I see Ohio state is right now. Like they still control their entire destiny. They go out, they beat Penn state. They go out, they beat Michigan. They go out, they beat Michigan state. And then right. they win the big 10 championship and they're still in the college football playoff. Right. And I know that's very easy to say and like very easy to understand. And I saw you battling with everybody on Twitter, like, you can't, it's just like, you guys, you guys have to just understand, like they won the game. It is what it is. Right. There's certain things that they need to figure out. And like I said, offensively, like I'm not tripping. I know the big thing has been about, you know, Hey, Stroud needs to know that he can get his job taken and this and that. And the other thing, like the dude just got off throwing for 400, whatever the hell he did exactly. for against Oregon. Right. Like, yeah, you know, he comes in here and it's, it is what it is, but the guy has obviously earned the job. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't want your like, young quarterback looking over his shoulder every damn snap either. I feel like exactly. that is asinine. It, and that's that's the hardest thing. And, like, there is good in competition and there is good in being pushed, but there is also that fine line of, like, like you were saying, mentally, like, how do you keep him in a good place? He's a young guy. He hasn't played a lot of ball yet. It'd be a completely different story if you're a guy like Brock Purdy who's played for three years. Exactly. And, like, now you keep doing this stuff. Like, yeah, dude, like, if there's a freshman in here who's lighting it up, like, he's going to come take your job. Like, 
but he, CJ's a young guy and they stuck with him. So like, I don't know, it's just hard because everybody puts so much pressure and so much ex- expectations on Ohio state, but realistically speaking, they still have everything in front of them. They still yeah. control their own destiny and they can still go out and win out and play in the college football playoff and have yeah. a chance to national title. So yeah. they got to get some things figured out. And that's where I want you to touch on it. Like defensively, I know you did a pretty deep dive into them. Yeah. Like I want to hear what you're seeing. I want to hear how you think they can fix it. I want to hear um, that, that type of depth analysis, because like for me, like I said, I just think they need to play confident and they need to play fast Yeah, and they need to be put in situations to do it. Dude, I think I want to hear that, your I want to hear your perception on it. Your, your for take. sure. So I'll I'll get you this just to finish off with Ohio State's offense. Folks are like mad that CJ threw for a buck eighty five this last game or whatever it was. It wasn't a very good um, yardage total. But nobody watches the tape like how we watch the tape. And mm-hmm. Tulsa came out there. Their game plan was our safeties are going to be standing at basically like twenty two yards. And they're not taking a step toward the line of scrimmage, period, because they just weren't going to get beat deep. And they played a 335 um, a stack. So they said, we're going to drop eight in the coverage every single play. And so what Ohio State did instead was they said, we're going we're gonna to run for 380 instead yeah. of you know trying to force the ball through the air. So I just want to put that out there. Like, yeah, it's Tulsa. You should be able to control them. I disagree with that. Like if the defense is literally telling you we're not going to get beat deep and we're not going to give you throwing windows, then you hand the ball off to your elite freshman who's going to break Archie Griffin's freshman record and then go into the locker room and call it a day on offense. And that's the thing that frustrates the hell out of me with fans is they want to see certain things. But like if you're a football guy, if you're a purist, if you're a, if you love football, <laughs> if you can run the ball for three and a half to four yards every time you snap it, Right. Why do anything else? Right. You're going to win the football game, yes. right? Like you're going to win the game. You're going to turn around, hand it off three times in a row. It's going to be a first down. Yeah. You're going to control the clock. Like, yeah. So like that thought process of like, hey, man, like, God, I wish we threw for 350. Like, dude, yeah. you ran for freaking 350. Like, that's even more impressive. So like, just just love the game, man. Those I know. You get paid to do it. And you can't, you can't stuff a square peg into a round hole. It's like anything. If you do that, you're going to get kicked in the nuts. Well, and that's that's the other thing. Like you end up going off script and you try to force something that's not there, and then everybody sucks, and then people yeah. are even more. It's, it's, anyway, uh, it's compound, it's, compounds <laughs> issues. It yeah. compounds issues. Yeah, you know? it's uh just had to get that off my chest. But in terms of yeah. defense, it was interesting because Kerry Combs was on the field calling plays for Ohio State, and Matt Barnes, who ended up calling plays Saturday, would typically be up in the box. They flip flop. So Kerry went up to the box. Matt Barnes went down to the field. But Matt started calling plays from the field and Kerry was just up in the box giving his input or whatever. And that whole little flip-flop thing kind of frustrated me because I felt like it was more performance than anything else. Because if Kerry's used to coaching on the field, whether or not he's calling plays, keep him on the field because I think he's great around players anyway. If Matt's used to seeing the game from up top and he's used to giving his input from up top, then he should probably call it from up top. But I want to get that off my chest because I was real confused about why they even did that. Um, Ohio State, we talked about single high safety team traditionally. You know, it it, it exposes you in some ways in the past game. Like, you got to have some athletes out there, especially when you're playing man-to-man. But it gives you a strong run front. They sucked in the run previously, which blows my mind when you're playing three deep and you've got, you know, an eight-man box or whatever the case is, but neither here nor there. Um, So then they started mixing in some cover, too. They were running traditional, like, Tampa 2 
and then they were running two man as well. Um, and all of a sudden now they can run Tampa two and, and two man as a changeup and hold a team to 85 yards, but then they get beat for 400 yards through the air. Like, tell me what's going on here. Like, isn't yeah. that supposed to help you when you, when you yeah. flip flop it like that in theory, you know, you're, you're yeah. giving your corners a little bit of relief. It puts some stress on those guys in the back end linebackers got to run. I get it. But if you got a good four man rush, you should be able to get the ball out quick. And it's, it's supposed to be a little bit challenging in some of those looks it's it's so here's where I'll put the bow on it. It is a, a bad unit right now. I think it's a unit with really good players though. They don't play fast. I don't think they play aggressive. I don't think they play with confidence. I'm not exactly sure they understand what they're supposed to be doing top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the directive from the front of the room needs to be made crystal clear in terms of what the expectation is for coverage, for the pass rush, for the run fits, all of that. And I think once clear expectations are made, the defense can take another step forward. But until then, I think it's going to continue to be a mess. Yeah, and that's interesting, man, because, I mean, I, I don't know if you can speak to this, but I know I can speak to it at least offensively. Like, when you go through three weeks of just, like, up and down and not really knowing what to do, like, it's hard to find an identity then. It is. You know what I mean? Like, that's the shit that you got to hash out in spring ball. Swear and it is. Be in the early <laughs> days of training camp. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's the stuff that needs to be hashed out then. Right. Um, and that's where it's – that's where I think they have the biggest challenge moving forward as a program throughout the rest of the season is – how can they almost do – how can they just mitigate damage, like damage control defensively and then keep developing offensively to be able to yep. go score points and yep. just be good enough on that side of the football to yep. be able to put them in situations to win games? I think I, that's what they have to do. I think that's what they're going to be. That's what they're going to have to yeah. be if they feel like they want to make a run at the CFP at this point is your offense mm-hmm. is going to have to outscore people and defensively you're going to have to just come up with a couple of stops when you really need them. Um, yeah. But that, I, don't, I don't have a lot of hope, which is a shame – because I personally, I like all the guys who are coaching on that side of the ball. I think they're wonderful people. I think they're smart people. Um, yeah. I think they've done a really good job of recruiting players. It's just like there's something in there that's not working right now, and it's a mess. Right. Um, yeah, it's tough. So I'll end you off this segment with this one. You had some thoughts about the East. The East, to me, yeah. is a, a meat grinder. We got, obviously, Penn State at the top right now. You got Michigan, Michigan State. We talked about Ohio State. Even a Rutgers and a Maryland are teams that can kind of challenge you in some ways, man. What are you seeing over there? Yeah, I think it's just like, like I said, the next the next three to four to six weeks is just going to be a complete buzzsaw. Um, you got Michigan State. I mentioned their their run here: Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Rutgers, Indiana. And to me, that's the of the teams that have been surprises for us and the teams that are playing really well right now, that's the lightest lift. You got Rutgers. Rutgers is at Michigan. Then they host Ohio State and Michigan State. Yeah, they're going to be beat up. (laughs) So Rutgers is about to find out if they're for real or not. Right. Um, Like Maryland, they got Kent State. Then they host Iowa State. Then they go – or I'm sorry, then they host Iowa. Then they go to Ohio State. So, you know, Maryland – you know, keep it up with Kent State this week, but then you got Iowa and you got Ohio, right. Ohio State. But I actually find that Maryland-Iowa game pretty interesting for a lot of the reasons that we talked about with Me Iowa too. not being able to win track track meets. Yep. If Maryland can survive Kent State and Tua can come in there and play well and they can be explosive offensively, I think that's going to see if Iowa's for real. 
Well, um, that'll be that'll be a good game breakdown for the the uh, the next show there because I want to dive into that. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. And then you know, like I said, you know, Penn State's got the meat of the schedule, and then like basically like whoever survives that is going to play each other at the end of the year. And that's where I feel bad about the West too. And I'm sorry if I'm getting long winded. You can cut me off no, whenever. No, keep going. But like Iowa, to me, Iowa controls their own destiny in the West. Um, if Iowa can come out here, beat the beat beat a Penn State in the East, and go from there, like they control their own destiny in the West. Um, I just like I said, I find it really interesting how much of a difference there is in the West, the East for me, and the East is really going to sort things out. The West. I, I think it's going to be interesting. Who do you got winning the West right now as we speak? Like, that's the one thing I want to ask you about. Yeah, that's a good question, man. I mean, if I if I had to pick, I, I, and I feel like this is a dumb pick because I cannot trust the offense, but I, I'd have to pick Iowa because I really do think that their defense is that good. Their offense yeah. gives me heartburn sometimes watching them, though, because they're so lethargic and it's like, they, it, they are really – it's a, a throwback of an offense. It's like they'll really just take their time. And they had one drive against um, – who they play? Kent State Golden Flashes last week. That was like a 90-yard drive just methodically like down. Like 12 minutes. F- yes. <laughs> or something ridiculous like that, yeah. I'm like, bro, what is going on? But that, that's what they are. Um, yeah. I don't – and we'll get into this one in the next segment. I don't like Wisconsin. Um, yeah. Minnesota, if they can pull things together in their passing game, becomes an interesting team to me. Do you think Iowa can beat Penn State like this week, if they were to play this week right now, based upon what you've seen from both teams? Do you think Iowa can beat a Penn State? Ah, that's a good question. Um, no, I think Penn State's defense is good enough to take the ball away as much as Iowa's defense might try to take the ball away. Um, and you feel like there's there's a little just a little bit more uh, opportunity when you got firepower like Penn State does. I think I think Penn State's defense is going to be a, a, an equalizer this year, especially when they get to you know uh, a game like in Iowa where um, you know Iowa's going to try to steal the ball away. I think Penn State's defense can do the exact same thing to them. Yeah, I, like I said, man. But like that's just like those are the things that we get to look forward to for the next five to six weeks within the Big Ten. And that's like, that's, that's great. Right. As now as fans, like as players, we'd be sweating bullets right now. (laughs) Like I'd just be sitting there like, damn dude, like, all right, how am I going to, how am I going to rehab? How am I going to make sure that I'm staying focused? Bro, just don't look, just don't look down the, don't look down the schedule, man. It should (laughs) mess you up every time. Like you're just sitting there like, oh my gosh. And now like as a fan, as a fan, it's great because, you know, we can do these things. Um, But like I said, I think it's really, I think it's going to be an interesting time period and it's going to be the most exciting time period for this conference because it's going to separate the men from the boys. And I think the men from this conference can go out and play with anybody. I agree 100% with that statement. That 100% I agree with. Um, All right, let's jump into this last segment. We got the uh, week four previews. We got a few games up here. We got some conference games, so I definitely want to jump into those. We got Mm -hmm. one big out of conference game. Um, It's Notre Dame versus Wisconsin. This one's at Soldier Field. It's the Fox Big Noon game. Uh, Wisconsin's actually favored in this one by five and a half points. The over under is 46 and a half. I'm going to say this and then I'll let you go on whatever you got to say. Wisconsin and Notre Dame, two really good defenses. Notre Dame's offense got a little something, but they've showed they've got flaws. I would take the under on this one, but I don't trust Wisconsin's offense to move the damn football at all. Period. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, the under for sure. Well, yeah, the under for sure, probably. You know, the only thing is, is I think Notre Dame offensively, um, and it's hard to say it, but watching them against like a Florida State, which is an athletic team at the end of the day, you know, whether they play great or not, they got some athletes down there that can run around. They put up some points in that game. Um, I just, yeah. I mean, this game doesn't really excite me, it, and it sucks. Like, you got two yeah. teams who are who are who have a lot of expectations, but it just doesn't – like, I'd stay away from it betting-wise, personally. Just, yep. That's just me. But um, the game also just doesn't really excite me. Like, it's not – like, I just – unless someone comes out and just plays really, really well, that's the only good thing about this game is it could – like, if, if Wisconsin comes out and plays fantastic or if Notre Dame comes out and plays fantastic, like, then you sit there and you go, okay – one of these guys is for real, you know, but, but yeah. other than that, like this game just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Well, I will say uh, probably going to see a lot of really good defense in this one, because I, I do think yeah. both of them have the Notre Dame's got some athletes on that side of the ball, but Wisconsin's just got a solid defense. Their two uh, safeties are players. Yeah. <laughs> Notre Dame's two are. safeties are football Bro, players. dude. I was watching them last week and it's wild. Um, number 14 i can't remember a dude's name but he's, yeah, he's the, the best he's the top five yeah yeah um, he's long as hell can bro, run and watching him get from literal sideline to sideline you remember mm-hmm. watching isaiah simmons for clemson yeah um, th- that's what he reminds me of that's one of the, the most recent guys i can remember that could that had range like that i could just flat mm-hmm. out run um yeah so i'm excited to watch those cats i feel like it's gonna be some interceptions in this game <laughs> Um, yeah. these, uh, these betting lines are provided by our friends over at bet river Sportsbook. by the way. Um, so next one Rutgers at Michigan, um, Michigan's favored by 18 and a half. The over under is 51 and a half. I think the most interesting <laughs> thing about this game, it's, it's kind of twofold is Rutgers got a couple of suspensions. Um, and Max Melton is one of their starting quarters so, corners. So that's a big deal. But this mm-hmm. is Michigan's first test against a quality opponent. They're, they're playing Big Ten competition. I'm curious to see how they look. Yeah, I think that's I think that's to me the story of it, right? Like Michigan's looked awesome. And we all talked about this. Like you always have those those warm-up games, right? Those out of conference, like cupcakes. And usually you see teams, what you want to see is what Michigan has done up until this point, right? Then you know, most years you have teams struggle with two or three of them, and then there's always those question marks, right? Michigan is, has passed this test with flying colors to me, and now, like you're saying, this is the first quality Big Ten opponent who also has a lot of confidence coming into this game defensively. They've been playing really well. So we'll see if Michigan can put it all together or if Michigan just reverts back to the same old Michigan. Yep. And that'll be the thing. It's funny talking to Michigan fans, man, because they're like, oh, you know, we win the national championship every September. But, you know, when it's time to play ball in November and December, we're not there. Yeah. And it's it's funny to ha ha and he he about it. But I truly do feel like there is a renewed energy. Now, people have brought up that there was a lot of energy on the revenge tour year. And, um, you know, that didn't end necessarily the way that they wanted it to. But the ending does not have to be like that. I feel like these cats are they're, they're playing some ball. I'm just excited to see them against some legit competition. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think they got firepower everywhere on offense, you know, well, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yep. Um, we got Purdue at, or excuse me, Illinois at Purdue. Um, Purdue is favored by 11 in this game over under 54 and a half. Um, this one, if I was a better, I would stay away from. Because I think Illinois 
can play better football than what they've put on tape. And Purdue had to switch out a quarterback late in the game. And um, David Bell, who is one of the Big Ten's premier playmakers, got hurt toward the end of that game against Notre Dame. I'm not exactly sure I like them being favored by 11 in this one. Uh, so I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I thought Purdue, our, our prediction of them hanging on with the Notre Dame team, I thought that was true for about three and a half quarters. And then it was. It just, then they shot they don't, themselves they don't, in their foot. They don't have the depth either, though. I think that's the yeah. big difference when you're a team like Purdue playing in Notre Dame is you can make it three, three and a half quarters, but then the, the better team is going to pull away because they've been able to rotate guys and do all that other stuff all game. And especially if that team has like hung around, right? Like I don't yeah. think Purdue really, really ever threw like knockout punches at them, no. right? Nope. Like if they threw a couple knockout punches at them and, you know, maybe they were ahead in that game for two and a half, three quarters, then I think it's a different situation. Just talking like football gods and energy. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see if Purdue can 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 bounce back and start continuing to build on what they've been doing. And then I think you're right with this Illinois team. They're so hot and cold right now. Yeah, man. Um, and you just – you never know what you're going to get. So, like, yeah, stay away from them. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Uh, um, and then our final one, and this one is going to be a very interesting one, at least in my brain, is Nebraska visiting Michigan State. So – Michigan State's favored by just five. Uh, the over-under on this one is 51 and a half. Now, Nebraska has to feel like they can take some really good things away from how well they played against Oklahoma on Saturday. They feel like if they get um, a couple of their breaks to go their way on special teams, they probably win the game, right? Michigan State now is coming off of their biggest win of the Mel Tucker era. And you know what happens on those games is – you, you start feeling a little bit hungover. You, you know, you're, mm -hmm. we're on the road. You got the big win. You're kind of feeling yourself. Now people are talking about you as a, a potential contender in the East. Is this an opportunity that you could get one of those real sneaky upsets from a salty Nebraska team playing a, a Michigan state team that could be feeling themselves? Uh, I think, yes, I think that's, that's, that's definitely a possibility, but, here's what I'm going to say is in terms of teams that have played, I'm not going to say real competition, but you know, they played somebody, they played nobodies. Michigan state has been, if not the most consistent, one of the most consistent teams in the country, they yeah. scored 38, 42, 38. Yeah. I think that's the first time they've done that maybe ever in program history where they've scored 38 points or more in their first three games of the season. Probably. Um, so just looking at them in terms of how they've been doing it, and they did it against three completely different levels of competition or whatever right. you want to call it or expectations. Right. So to me, that spells a team that's very, very focused. Uh, and it has to be some form of messaging from the offensive, from the offensive side of the ball, from their staff, or, I mean, even Mel, who the hell knows, but they're just, they, to me, they're a very focused football team. I don't want to jump the gun and say, I don't think they will fall into that trap, but the way they've played, I can say that relatively confidently that I don't think they'll fall into that trap. So we'll see. I think it's going to be up to Nebraska just being able to come in there and, and, and keep getting better. Right. Like, I think that's the hard part is like when you're trying to continue to get better and you're doing it off of losses and not wins, right. that's where it's always hard. Right. So um, 
I do think from a talent standpoint, though, like Nebraska definitely belongs on this football field and they can make this a game very fast. So we'll see what happens. I'm taking the over, though, just because of just because of uh, what I just said. I mean, 38, 42, 38 back to back to back now. I mean, keep it rolling, boys, you know? Yeah, and Nebraska can um, – I think against yeah. anybody, they could probably move the ball a little bit. I, I so score ba- two. Yeah. Basically what you, you gave me there, and this is something I would agree with, is if this team was coached by anybody other than Mel Tucker, you would have them on upset alert. But yeah. since Mel Tucker knows how to get his guy's mind right, you're not necessarily worried about it. And the only reason I say that is because I've sat there and like, I watched it. Like it wasn't like a, uh, you see little hangovers in teams, like even throughout, like even really, really good teams, you see little hangovers, you see little, and people who are really good coaches, you see little things through the way they play their attention to detail, maybe finishing off a game or whatever. Watching this team for three weeks now, I haven't seen a layoff. I, I haven't seen a, really a chink in that armor in terms of how they've approached things. They finished games strong. They've commanded the line of scrimmage offensively. They've done everything for four freaking quarters for three straight weeks. And that's not by accident. That's coaching and expectations within that locker room. So I'm, I'm just excited about that team. And I think they're, I think that unless something really, really goofy happens, that's the only thing that'll throw them off. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they definitely finished that game off. Um, you know, in the in the fourth quarter of this mm-hmm. game, I'm trying to pull it up, but they uh, they scored 21 points. You know, like that's yeah. what you talk about when you say um, salting games away and really finishing off strong. I'm trying to get the, yeah. the total yardage there, 111 yards in the fourth quarter alone. Um, yeah, I mean, they 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 do some things that make you feel like this team is really building into something special. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, you know, run through the Big Ten East this year, but you got to ask the question, of two, three, four years from now, what the hell does this look like? Mm-hmm. I think that's 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 the unique part about the whole Big Ten is you have three or four. I think you have three or four programs right now who are sitting on on both sides of the conference who are sitting on great coaching staffs who built successful programs at other places or at the same place in the case of Rutgers. And you see why they were able to do all of those things for, so far into this young season. You see why the way the teams have played, their attention to detail, all these other things that have been different from the people that were there before them. Now it's who can hang on, who can stay consistent with it and who can do it week in, week out for not just this year, but like you said, for the next three or four years, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that makes the whole big 10 look as a conference top to bottom. For sure. All right, hack. I feel like this is a pretty good one. Will you say we do it again next week? You know, Hey, we're locked in. (laughs) <laughs> might as well, right? Might as well keep it going. Don't have much of a choice here, do we? <laughs> yeah. right. I thought, oh, I don't man. Think that's optional. <laughs> well, uh, this is the JP and Hack Show, part of the Field 12 Media Network, Season 1, Episode 5, presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. Again, I'm Joshua Perry. This is my guy, Christian Hackenberg. We'll be back at you next week. Stay tuned.